This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Iron. Rosen traded to the Dolphins. I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Rosen looking down the field, and his pass is going to be caught for the touchdown. He's running around, circling, oh, look out! Krakowski didn't have the angle! Welcome, everybody, to Fin It to Win It. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and we're here to talk about good and bad fanhood for the 2019 Miami Dolphins, a very complicated manner. But before we do, I'd like to thank today's sponsor, Sports Axios. Sign up for their daily newsletter at sports.axios.com. Jerome Baker, linebacker for the Miami Dolphins, had uh, some choice words, and he said at the beginning of this week that that no real fans of the Miami Dolphins would actively root for the team to lose games. And it it spurred a a pretty interesting conversation. There's a lot of viewpoints on this. So I felt what better platform this week than to engage in this conversation here on the podcast, because there's, there's layers here, right? There's different perspectives and points of views and I can understand a lot of different uh, ways to look at this. And, you know, I even had a chance to, at at a short exchange with Ryan Riddle, a former NFL player, who weighed in on it as well. And uh, people are going to compare tanking in the NFL to tanking in the NBA and Major League Baseball. And there's a lot, there's a lot to get into. And I don't think it's all very cut and dry. So... Uh, From a player's perspective, if you're a member of the 2019 Miami Dolphins and you hear this team, you're Josh Rosen, you're Jerome Baker, you're Jesse Davis, you're Preston Williams, Xavier Howard, and you hear fans talk about, well, let's, let's go out and lose all our games. That's disrespectful to players. I understand that. And players are never going to buy in on a tank. That's why a tank job is not... What so many people seem to think, which everyone in the organization is just in cahoots to say, oh, well, don't really, don't go out there and try all that hard and make it look like you're trying, but like drop that ball on purpose, like Kalen Balaj, like Steve Ross, uh, or Chris Greer, or Brian Flores tells uh, Balaj anytime he has a drop, it's like, yeah, drop this one. That'd be good. That'd be good for the tank. Players go out to play to win. Coaches are going to go out to coach. And that's why any tank in any organization has to come from the top down. It has to come from the management of the team because they're the ones that construct the roster. And that's exactly what you saw with the teardown that the Miami Dolphins experienced. Getting rid of all their good players and Tunsil and Stills and 
uh, trading away Kiko Alonso, who you could argue is a good player versus not a good player. Minka Fitzpatrick. The list goes on and on and on and on. But uh, players are never going to willingly just drop games because the shelf life of your average NFL player is so short. So, of course, from a player's perspective, they're going to hear people talk about, yeah, man, I just hope they go out and lose. And that's going to be disrespectful to them because they are playing to win. But they have had the deck so systemically stacked against them from a personnel perspective. It's almost impossible to win, especially in the NFL when when you're a team like the Dolphins who have been so tapped dry that unless you have a handful of players that have transcendent seasons or really flip a switch versus what they've been their entire careers, um, winning football games at the NFL level uh, is extremely difficult when you're front office decides it's time to tank. But from a fan perspective, you and me, you know, I'm, I, I work in media with USA Today to cover the Dolphins, but by and large, their wire sites, they, they, are, they find great appeal in having people who are passionate about the team and follow the team religiously and are fans of the team because that's the kind of message that people want to connect with, right? So, so tell you why you should feel a certain way and why it's good or why it's bad from the perspective of somebody who knows this team intimately. And, and that's something I'm very fortunate to be able to do. And um, if you followed this team for any amount of time and are under the age of 40, I don't understand how you cannot be on board with the prospect of a tank. A process, if you will. A rebuilding process. Because since the year 2000, the last 20 years of this organization, Dan Marino's last game was 1999 playoffs or 2000 playoffs and they lost 62 to 7. Miami turned the ball over 7 times in that football game. Miami started that season, Marino's final season in 99. Uh, I don't I didn't realize this because I was 10 years old at the time, but I went back and looked at it to kind of discuss like this last 20 year stretch of just trash football for Miami. They started 7-1 and one that year and finished the year 9-7 and seven and turned the ball over 22 times in their final eight games, won a playoff game against Seattle, and then went to Jacksonville and lost 62-7 to seven and turned the ball over seven times. Almost 30 turnovers in their final, 29 turnovers in their final 10 games, including two playoff games. From that point onwards... It was the Jay Fiedler show, and Ricky Williams comes in, and Ricky touches the ball almost 900 times in two years and retires and shipwrecks the entire team. And then Nick Saban comes in, and they start slow and win six straight in 2005 and finish the year at 9-7 and seven and just miss the playoffs. Nick Saban going into his second year, 9-7 and seven football team, won six straight games. They're super red hot. And they decide to bet on Dante Culpepper's knee instead of Drew Brees' shoulder. And everybody knows how that turned out. And then after 2006, Saban bounced back out to go back to Alabama. Cam Cameron comes in. The team goes 1-15. 
Then the turn, the miraculous Bill Parcells slash Tony Sperano turnaround. But even that came with the decision of we're going to pass on Matt Ryan in the first round because we feel like we can get a comparable player in Chad Henney in the second round. How'd that one turn out? Team still managed to go 11-5 thanks to the Wildcat offense and Ronnie Brown. Kudos. Tip of the hat. Great job. And then everything since it was, let's spend a second round pick on Pat White to be the Wildcat guy. Pat White was out of the league in a year. Then they then the, the Sperano years kind of flatline. Joe Philbin comes in. Joe Philbin's team couldn't win a clutch game if their lives depended on it. Remember 2013, this team was 8-6, and six, had just beaten the Patriots and the Steelers in back-to-back games in December, and dropped consecutive games. They lost to the Bills, I think it was 19 to nothing. got embarrassed. I think they had 100 yards offense that day. And then they lost at home to the Jets. And one win would have sent you to the playoffs. And you went 0-2 against a 6-10 and 10 Bills team and a team that ended up being 8-8 eight and eight in the New York Jets embarrassing then they go out they get the the Reggie Bushes and the Brandon Marshalls and Philbin kind of jettisoned anybody that was any semblance of a a leadership role on the team surprise surprise that team fell apart Dan Campbell gets the team energized for a little bit and they end up dropping off before the end of the season Adam Gase comes in in 2016 10 and 6 Mike Tannenbaum at this point is kicking the can down the road with guaranteed money, restructuring contracts, giving Ryan Tannehill a monster contract, and then restructuring it 12 months later. And now the Dolphins are in the situation that they're in, where Adam Gase uh, turns out he's not an offensive mastermind. The last 20 years of Miami Dolphins football has been so incredibly frustrating and inept at times and just heartbreaking fashion in a lot of different ways. Bad personnel decisions, bad coaching, bad draft picks. That's not meant to demonize Chris Greer. We'll talk about that in a moment. I think Chris Greer has done a great job, and I think Chris Greer uh, is a very good eye, has a very good eye for talent, and I think he's done a really nice job su- surrounding himself with a supporting cast in the front office this offseason to set himself up for success. But if you're a fan of the Dolphins and you're under the age of 40, that's all you know about the Miami Dolphins. I'm 30 years old, and from the time I remember anything about football and decided to choose to root for the Dolphins when I was 7 or 8, was the twilight of Dan Marino's career, and everything that they've done afterwards. From 2003 to 2019, with the exception of 2016 and 2008, has been a joke. And the Dolphins have been a butt of jokes. They've been average at best and consistently been a team that gets poked fun at, made fun of, for just ineptitude. And if you can't swallow your pride in front of the 16 games and be a fan of a bad football team from a fan's perspective, I don't know what to tell you. Because something had to change. And a hard reset, if that's what's prescribed and that's what's being sold to us from the front office, what choice do we have? Buy in. 
They've already traded the players. And from a player perspective, they've got to understand the hope that the fans are being sold is that 2020 is going to be better days. But we have to get through this season first. And we got all this draft capital and all these draft picks and all this salary cap space. The Dolphins have never faced a potential with an offseason the way that they're about to. Three first-round picks, potentially six in the top 65. million in cap space. Exciting potential to infuse some game-changing talent to this roster, which the Dolphins have not had a star in forever. Cameron Wake was more like that diamond in the rough. Cameron Wake didn't have big personality. Television cameras and broadcasters didn't care about Cameron Wake and and spotlight him on a weekly basis and, and talk about him. So the Dolphins needed an infusion of transcendent talent, special talent. And they've positioned themselves now where they have the ammunition to do so. And I think that that from a fan's perspective is applauded. But players, you gotta understand, you gotta read the writing on the wall too. Like I know you're you're trying to go out and win. And we're not expecting you to go out and try and lose. But the fans are being told by management and ownership. Our better days lie ahead, and this is what we've done to position ourselves for those better days. Of course you're going to just piece it together and say, well, I, I don't want, I want those picks to be higher. I don't want those picks to be in the teens, just because the Dolphins went 6-10. and 10. Dolphins go 6-10, and 7-9 every year. It's a really difficult dynamic between player expectations and player goals and player objectives and player motivators versus fan goals, fan objectives, fan motivators, and a fan experience versus a player's experience. Players, you know, you live and breathe this every single day. I understand you're invested. You're invested hard. And you take offense when people expect you to lose. From a fan perspective... It's a much more peripheral overview. It's a much more outside experience. And the fans have really struggled. And players, you know, a lot these these players, 80% of this roster is under the age of 26. If you're 26 years old and a Miami Dolphins fan, you get it. Because this team's been terrible forever. Your entire life. We'll continue momentarily. But before we do, I want to talk to you about today's sponsors. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis, really hard to do. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in all the land. Axios Sports is the modern sports page delivered directly to your inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong, and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing that amazing link with all your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up for at sports.axios.com again to try it free. Sports 
www.axios.com. Our other sponsor today, our good friends over at Harry's. Listen, humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave, it hasn't really changed all that much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. Instead, they focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's. Gives me a close shave, easy glide, low price. So do us a favor here at Fit It to Win It in Blue Wire and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial offer today. Harry's is a return to the essentials. Quality durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. And there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and you'll get a full refund. Listeners of Fit It to Win It can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today, and we thank them for sponsoring today's episode of Fin It to Win It. So a lot of the argument against quote-unquote tanking is the the cultural impact for your team and your roster and your players and and how that's not just something you can wipe away. And I agree with that to a certain extent. I think about the Miami Dolphins. I think about the players that they've been able to add, some of the prominent players, the Christian Wilkins from Clemson, the Jerome Baker from Ohio State, Minka Fitzpatrick before he was traded from Alabama. You know how many games... Jerome Baker and Micah Fitzpatrick, first and third round draft picks in the Dolphins' 2018 NFL draft class. Both juniors, both left one year early. Both were on their respective rosters at Alabama and Ohio State from 2015 to 2017. How many games those guys lost in that time frame? Jerome Baker and Micah Fitzpatrick combined but Alabama and Ohio State between 2015 and 2017 lost eight games combined over three years. Ohio State lost five, and Alabama lost three. And you compare that to the 2019 Miami Dolphins losing nine games. And then the Dolphins come out and they say, well, we're going to reset everything, reshuffle the deck, start from the beginning. It's time to start from scratch. And you could see why Minka Fitzpatrick probably said, nah, you know what, I ain't about this life. I'm not trying to go through 0-16 or 1-15. But if you're going to fold that easily, I'd almost rather weed those guys out. So I understand, like, Jerome Baker is frustrated. He's frustrated with the situation. He's not used to losing even his last season, I believe they went 14-1, uh, his final season in high school. So Jerome Baker lost six games in four years. And now he's lost 13 games in 20 tries for the Miami Dolphins. That's hard. It's a hard adjustment. But the guys who can buckle down, stay focused on their craft, uh, it goes back to the saying that uh, Steve Ross quoted uh, from a fellow Michigan man 
uh, when he said those who stay will become champions. And that's the objective for the Miami Dolphins. So if that's the long-term view, you you got to know you have guys that when the going gets tough, they respond in an acceptable way. So I agree. Losing the degree the Dolphins are losing can be problematic. But there's also that silver lining of being able to separate the guys who have the mental fortitude to really buckle down, especially because this is not expected to be a situation that's three, four years running. This is not the Cleveland Browns where, oh, the woe is me. Um, And there's going to be a lot of fresh faces on this roster again next year. The turnover for this roster is probably going to be between 50 and 60% again next year, and it was just 60% this year. So with the exception of just a handful of names, this entire roster is going to be brand new versus the 2017 roster under Adam Gase, 2018 roster under Adam Gase, which good, it should be. You want to talk about a toxic culture, that was a bad environment. Everything the doll, it comes, it comes down to this, really, honestly, it does. Everybody's acting like the Dolphins weren't already a disorganized, poorly managed, poorly coached, untalented football team before this year. They were already all of those things. It's like Armando Salguero coming out and pleading for fans to not support the idea to go 0-16. I don't want to go 0-16. I'd love to go 2-14 or 1-15 considering the circumstances. The team's committed to be bad, so let's be bad. Okay. And then we can move forward after the year. But don't act like 0-16 is going to be some stain that this this organization's never going to be able to shake and it's going to ruin the, the integrity of the Miami Dolphins. How this team went 1-15 in 15, 10 years ago. This team's been under 500 as an organization in each of the last two decades. If the Dolphins go 0-16, the Dolphins will finish the 2010s with a win percentage of 40. Don't pretend like this is some high and mighty franchise. It, it has not been for a very long time. And I think that's the big divide between those who support what's going on, those who are apprehensive about what's going on, and those who really strongly push back against what's going on. There's two separate subsections. Players and coaches, which you'd expect to push back. Like I said, that's their livelihood. They, they live and breathe this every single day. They're more invested than any fan ever could be. And they should be offended when they say, hey, we want to see you go out and lose this Sunday. They say, well, we're not trying to do that. We're trying to go out and win. You play to win the game. And then there's the people who know what the Dolphins used to be and romanticize with what the Dolphins were versus being able to objectively look at this is what the Dolphins are. And myself, people in my demographic, people up to 40 years old. You know, if you started watching football in the mid-90s, you don't know the Dolphins is anything other than an afterthought. The Dolphins dynasty existed in the 70s. The Dolphins were an AFC powerhouse, not an NFL dynasty, an AFC powerhouse in the 80s. What have you done for us lately? 
It's been 30 years since relevancy since the Dolphins played in an AFC Championship game. 92, I believe, was the last time they did that. I was three. I don't care. I don't care that they used to be a proud organization. And committing to a process to rebuild everything from the ground up and accepting that the hope you're being sold by the organization is going to have to come with a bad product in 2019 as a side pro- as a, as a side result of that what choice do you have what's another year at least they're not going to give you false hope in week 14 when they're sitting at 7 and 7 and then inevitably poop their pants and lose two games they're not supposed to That's what it comes down to for me, and that's why I think you see a big divide in kind of the generational viewpoints of fans in that people who remember what the Dolphins were and there were good times associated with them, they don't want to see the Dolphins stoop to this. I ideally wouldn't like to see the Dolphins stoop to this either, but we're here. It's the decision they've made. So commit to the process, trust the process, as the Philadelphia 76ers used to say. Commit to the rebuild. Because you can't stop the train. It's going to keep going. And if you try and push back against it, you're just going to be more miserable by the week. Because Miami plays Washington tomorrow, and I think Washington's front seven is going to beat the tar out of the Miami Dolphins up front. Will it be a close game? Probably. But the Dolphins are super young, super inexperienced, and they're bad in the wrong spots. Have a hard time seeing them finishing this football game off with a win. It can happen, and if it does happen, we should applaud it because those guys played their asses off out there. But if they lose, there's always that silver lining of this is what this time team is designed to be by the people in charge of it this year. And no that it's not a long-term commitment to this, know that the roster will be turned over next year where 60% of the guys aren't going to be a part of the, the culture that was here this year. And a lot of the guys that are are coming from programs like Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, who expect to win. And if they survive this purge, they've got the mental fortitude to buckle down, go to work, make themselves better, and make sure it doesn't happen again. There's plenty to be excited about with the Miami Dolphins, just nothing on Sundays, unfortunately. But I'm here for it, and you should be here for it too. And if you choose to commit, I don't, I'm not going to tell anybody how to root for the team. But if you choose to commit and reside yourself too, well, we might as well go out and lose. You, know, you you root to see players do well. You root to see players thrive and grow and improve. But if you're fine, if you're accepting of an end result on Sunday that results with the other team having more points than the Dolphins at the end of the day, that doesn't make you a fake fan or a bad fan. I think it makes you a realist. To understand and have the foresight of exactly what's going on with this team, and you're never going to change it. So don't try. Just go for the ride. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's edition of Finnit to Win It. Apologize for being a little late this week. Uh, we're going to try our best to get our 
uh, regularly scheduled Thursday releases back on track again next week. Hit subscribe. Take a deep breath. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Don't get mad if they lose. But also don't get mad if they win. Teams that have two wins or less in the NFL draft since the teams switched to a 16-game schedule have a 70% chance of securing the number one overall pick. Teams with one win have never not had it unless they forfeited that pick in the supplemental draft or unless there was an expansion franchise which came in over top of them, which happened to the Carolina Panthers the year they drafted Julius Peppers with the second overall pick and the Houston Texans drafted David Carr. That ain't going to happen this year. There's no expansion franchise coming out of left field. Don't panic with a win and don't panic with a loss. Enjoy the ride. I'll talk to you guys again next